Hey guys, so obviously Halloween's kind of spooky, but whenever Halloween is coming around, be careful with the candy you get, because you don't know what's in the, the candy, and watch your back and everything, but here are some viral stuff that is going around um, that are Halloween ideas, costume ideas. So, what I'm going to be for Halloween is a Visco Girl. If you don't know what a Visco Girl is, look it up on YouTube, um, Google, anywhere, and you will figure out what a Visco Girl is. What, um, one thing that's probably the best that everyone's doing and it's like skeleton obviously because skeleton is a good thing and it it's the day of the dead you know in mexico whatever um and those are two of my favorite costume ideas so those are a couple pointers and yeah thank you welcome 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 to the weekly podcast thanks for clicking on the button and tuning in a few weeks back a month month and a half we done a basic podcast on the long island serial killer i'd like to revisit that case get a little bit more specific on a few things um obviously the shannon gilbert case broke the broke it wide open there would if they wouldn't have uh, been kind of looking for her um they wouldn't have discovered the bodies, which there had been discoveries in that area for years, 96, 2000, you know, um, on up 2010, 11. But anyway, Shannon Gilbert's case is kind of what brought the attention to that, um, which I'm under the assumption that they didn't even start searching really they had that dog out there and they say they were searching for but they were using it as a training exercise and they stumbled upon the body of uh brainerd barnes but the and i'll get into more depth of that but a couple things i'd like for the 12 listeners to go to apple or wherever you get your podcast and give a five-star review because I need them to conquer the world. So I appreciate that. And I just thank the people that do listen. I know it's, you know, well, one man, one closet, one phone operation. But I'm trying. And hopefully we can get some different equipment in. I've got that some things in the works. And I know it's about content and it's about quality, sound quality. And it's also got to be a bit of entertainment involved because, hell, the same story is the same story, you know. That's like they talk about plagiarism, and I get it, that whole deal with crime junkies and whoever else, but 
I mean, hell, there's only so many ways you can tell the same fucking story, you know? I mean, whatever. I mean, I get what the other people are saying, reading a a thing word for word, but, I mean, it's not like these podcasters are out with a fucking shovel and a book and out there with their their damn paper going door to door and and getting the information, you know? The the information I'm going to give you is mainly come from a book called Lost Girls by Robert Colker. I personally think it's an amazing book. But for you, for those of you all that think that I was down in Gilgo Beach going door to door and maybe sifting through some sand and underbrush or, you know, deep diving in some uh, marsh, I wasn't. I was still here in the lovely hills of East Tennessee and my country ass was nowhere near Long Island. So, whatever. But I do want to touch in on this, you know, Shannon Gilbert, the 911. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about that. And I want to talk about a little bit of some police corruption inside that Suffolk County place stinks. I mean, people don't want to believe that cops are involved or police are involved, and they may not be. But it's just some fucking weird coincidences going on in that case. It's strange to me. They want, you know, Shannon Gilbert's case is not connected, and I can see why they would say that. And it does make sense if you're running through that marsh, depending on how bad it is. If there's trenches in there that, to help drain that out, you know, she could fall in one. It could be real muddy. And those jeans, yes, she's running through the marsh. The jeans are muddy. They're sticking to her. They're wet. It's disgusting. Yes, it's going to be easier to just take them off. I mean, some of that, I get it. It's not the craziest shit I've ever heard. You know, but it's it's so crazy that out of everywhere, a Craigslist prostitute can run. She happens to run in the general area of four more Craigslist prostitutes. And I mean no disrespect by that, but it just is what it is. And that, that to me, is strange. Um, so I want to talk about that Shannon and Gilbert 911 call. I want to talk about police corruption inside Suffolk County. Not police corruption, the DA included. So just corruption in general inside the, the government of Suffolk County. Those that bring criminals to justice, we'll say. But I need five-star reviews. I need some help. I mean, I get it. There's five million podcasts to listen to. Why would you want to listen to me sit in my closet? (laughs) Makes sense. I get it. But just those that do find it somewhat entertaining, please, for the love of God, give me a five-star review. And if you don't feel in your great conscience that you can do such a thing, if you feel like it's nothing but a bold-faced lie, if you give me a five-star then just don't do anything. Because you remember what your mama said when you was little. If you don't have anything good to say, then just don't say anything. That's words of wisdom right there. But I want to say thanks. I want to say welcome to the weekly podcast. Let's get it going. areas that if you're not from there then they don't want you there they hate outsiders they're particular as hell a very close-knit group of people that 
are out in Oak Beach because they want to be left alone. They don't want your drama out there in their neighborhood. So it's a very private and real territorial place. So if you're not, if you're an outsider, you're just not welcome. They're not going to let you in that click. And even if you are there, some of the people that actually live live in houses there, most of the old timers there, they hate them too. One of those people were Joe Brewer. Joe Brewer was a transplant, basically. His mother owned the home, but his old lazy, just he was just a not very uh, clean. His hygiene was bad, and just uh, unemployed, just wealthy. His family owned tons of property all over Long Beach, apartments, houses, everything. And you may have seen some shows that whenever they show the reenactments that they've got his home pristine but from what everybody says it's like you'd be on an episode of Hoarders that it smelled of cat piss but Oak Beach watches out for Oak Beach and so the quicker that that prostitute the one that was acting crazy and screaming running up and down the road leaves the better that's exactly what they were thinking. So, I want to kind of just go a little more in-depth into Shannon Gilbert's case. It, it, it's the only one that they have any information about. I mean, they might know where some of the others were where before they went missing, but all they know is what they were doing right before they went missing and where they ended up at, you know, buried or, or dumped. But uh, last night of April 2010, Alex, which was Shannon's boyfriend, went out on a date, actually having a good time. They had hit a little rough, rough spot. And you got to keep in mind that, and I don't mean any disrespect, but these were, they had issues with drugs. They had issues with alcohol. You know, Alex had broken her jaw. She had had a, a metal plate put in it. I'm not saying he was like that all the time, but the fact that it even happened is enough. These were street smart people, you know, and, and like I said, I mean, no disrespect in that, but these were not, they had issues, period. They had issues, but this night, you know, they were, they were doing better. Um, went and watched a movie, and went and grabbed some food at Taco Bell, and Alex was thinking, you know, maybe that they'd turned a corner, Maybe Shannon would go back to school, finish up some of her school, and, and, and both of them can kind of start living a, a clean life or free of prostitution. Um, but not not tonight. It's not going to happen that way. Shannon's got to meet up with Michael, which is Michael Packer, driver, after the movie. She told Alex she'd text him later. Around 1 a.m., she texts that I'm going in for a call. I'll call you right back. And maybe it ended with an I love you. Maybe it didn't. Alex couldn't remember. And one thing you got to know, too, is Michael Packer, driver, this wasn't the first time he drove for her. And the driver is the lifeline for these girls. They're not going to hire a driver 
and it be somebody that ends up teaming up with fucking Joe Brewer and they decide to kill Shannon. It's just not going to be like that. The Michael Pack was her lifeline. It was her way out. they pull up to the gate Oak Beach Shannon Mike or driver ring the bell it's a gated community no guard just a keypad Joe Brewer pulls up gets out hits the keypad opens up they follow him to the house it's around 2 o'clock at this point Shannon goes in Michael knows about the uh, errand they're going to run. Doesn't really know details, but he knows that he's aware that the as Shannon and Joe have made arrangements to run an errand together. So Joe Brewer and Shannon Gilbert leave together, do their thing, come back. Now, I don't know how long they're gone, a few minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. About 20 minutes after they're back, Shannon calls Michael, wants him to go to a CVS that's a good distance away to get some KY, some playing cards. I can't, I can't even, I can't, I can't say it without laughing. I'm sorry. I apologize. I know it's not funny, but that is kind of funny. But anyway, he's not going. I don't know if he's not going because he's not, by God, going to buy KY, or if he just don't feel like driving probably both so anyway Shannon's like you know what I'll get my own fucking way home I'm done whatever no she does say I'll find my own way home well she doesn't mean that probably but he doesn't obviously take it that way because he doesn't go but in the third hour of the date he hears a tap on his window and it's Joe Brewer stating that Shannon has tripped out. She is freaking out, and he wants her out of his house. So Michael Pack goes in. Him and Joe Brewer are now standing in the living room together. He thinks she's kind of messing with him, but he sees this is not a joke. Then he also sees that she is on the phone with 911. Now, this 911 call lasts 22 minutes. She apparently is on the phone to 911 as she is running about the neighborhood because what happens next is Michael leaves the house, goes back to his vehicle. Joe is up on a balcony because he had abandoned the mission and said, it's Michael, it's your problem. So at this point, Michael's outside. Joe turns to go back around in his house. Next thing Michael knows, Shannon comes bolting out of the house. Now, she ping-pongs back and forth houses. She finally gets Gus Coletti, knocks on his door to answer. He said, you know, she was screaming, they're going to kill me, they're going to kill me, they're going to kill me, they're trying to kill me. He's like, sit down right here, I'm calling the police. She went, whatever, she didn't like that, because boom, gone. 
runs down, hide behind, hides beside his boat in a car. He sees Michael Pack's Explorer slowly going down the road. He stops and talks to him. He's like, you stay right here. I've called the police. That's what he says. Michael Pack does not stay. He leaves. And the further he gets away from Oak Beach, the faster he goes. Which, he's not, he's not understanding why Shannon even called the police. That's, I mean... It must have been something that really scared her to, to do that. But people say drug-induced, cocaine, whatever. She wasn't, that wasn't the first time she'd done cocaine, I assure you. And Alex Diaz, her boyfriend, had made it real clear that they've done cocaine many a times, and he's never fucking seen her act like that. Now, this guy broke her jaw, put a damn metal plate in it. Obviously, something scared the shit out of her. But what was it? But my bigger question is, what's on this 911 call? How does this 911 call end? That's the question I have. That's what I want to know. Because it would tell us so much. Does it end in her saying, oh shit, and the line going dead? Does it end just abruptly? Does she say, okay, uh, never mind, uh, thanks. How does it end? What does she say? What do they say to her? It's obviously something that would either make them look calloused or stupid because they are fighting tooth and nail to let the, the judge had already said release the tape. This is recently, and they're not releasing it. I guess they're appealing. There must be something, something on there, obviously, that they don't want anybody to hear because it's a 22-minute call that would tell quite a bit about what went on. I would promise you that. So they obviously know more than what we know because they're pretty confident that she just drowned. But what would cause someone to... Now, I can they find her clothes, her phone, her purse, all in a general area. Not too far behind Peter Hackett's house. Now, she was last seen running from Gus Coletti's. Peter Hackett's house, in comparison to where Gus Coletti's is, is not next door. It's a pretty good distance. So, their testimony is, okay, the police arrive, they cannot triangulate where Shannon's calling. She has got a 22-minute 911 phone call. They cannot triangulate it then. It is not until Gus Coletti's phone call and they realize where they are located. They say they were there in 30 minutes. Whatever. The point is, when they got there, oh, oh, she's not, oh, she's not here. Oh, okay, thanks. They don't care. They really don't. Gilbert's case is talked about because it's the case that they know the most about and at the end of the day they don't really know anything because is she connected to the other bodies? Is she Was she killed by the Long Island serial killer? We know that it was her case that 
absolutely busted the dam open only because they didn't find her first. Had they found her first? Had they been looking to where Shannon Gilbert's body was and found her first? Then everybody else is still sitting up there in Gilgo Beach, Jones Beach, Fire Island, wherever the hell it is. She runs from Gus Coletti's. She is, I guess, last seen leaving Gus Coletti's. So, it is six months to seven months later before they even bring anyone out to look. You've got Alex, the boyfriend, trying to file a missing persons report. He has to go all the way back to Jersey City to do that. He's looking for her within days of her missing. And he goes to Oak Beach several times, hits that big wall of Oak Beach, watching out for Oak Beach. Now, maybe they don't know what happened. Maybe they don't. But it's full of coincidences, and it's strange to me. They find her... uh, They find her... Hold on. Losing it here. December the 6th. I want to be accurate on this, so I apologize. I'm looking at my notes here. I want to be accurate on this. December the 6th, 2011. On day two of the new search, the police move from Ocean Parkway to Oak Beach. That same day, they find Shannon's pocketbook, ID, cell phone, jeans, and shoes in a marsh. Steps from where she was last seen on Anchor Way. It takes... Okay, guys, let's do some math. If you want to. May the 1st, 2000 and... What is it? 10. I know it's 10. All the way... December 6th, 2011. That's a long time. So, the thing about Shannon's case, and what, and I really did not realize this, six months after she goes missing, seven months, whatever it is, they find remains. That's when the dam, I mean, they find the four burlap, they find 10, 11 victims and all, but the four girls that were kind of combined together or, or looped together were uh, oh, I'll talk in more in depth about them later I mean, they were pulling bodies out of the ground left and right there but they never found Shannon it took them right around 18 months but I guess my question is what what caused them to go back at the, and, and do that particular type of search they get a tip and they may have got a tip of something, but you're going to tell me that for 18 months, her purse, her phone, her pocketbook is all within a general area, and then three quarters of a mile away across a marsh, there she is, 15 feet from the road, 100 feet, whatever, it ain't much, that's just odd, and what's even more odd is even if you're in the the craziest cocaine crazy state of mind that you are I mean and you're running through a marsh and you decide oh these pants are so wet and they're muddy oh god I, I can move so much better with them off and you decide you're just going to go ahead and dump your damn phone your purse your hat and everything else right there in the same spot 
I want to hear the 911 call. I think it tells us a lot. And if you don't think Oak Beach would walk, watch out for Oak Beach and you're fucking crazy. It's a tight-knit, crazy bunch of people out there. I assure you. So I want to give you my theory next. I don't want to think keep these things crazy long. I found that about 30 minutes to 40 minutes is enough that for anybody to hear my voice. I apologize for sounding a little hoarse. I am. So here's my theory on Shannon Gilbert. Doesn't mean that Joe Brewer's the Long Island serial killer. And it doesn't mean that I'm right. But none of this shit makes any sense. So, why not? So early on, in the call to Joe Brewer, not the phone call, but the the call to his home, when Shannon arrived, you know, early on, Joe and Shannon went and run an errand. Grabbed cocaine, whatever, ecstasy, whatever they had, whatever they got. 20 minutes after they returned... Shannon asked Michael, Pack, the driver, to go a good distance to CVS to get them to KY and the playing cards. All right. Michael Pack says no. I mean, apparently it's a good distance to the CVS. It's just not, he's not going to do it. She screams, I'll find my own way home. Now, I've never been a driver for an escort, but you scream in my ear. I'll find my own way home. I'm probably going to leave. I wouldn't leave. I'm just kidding. But you might. I mean, shit. I mean, you you got two people on cocaine uh, or some other drug, and she, I told him I'd find my own way home. So I'm in their mind, maybe, uh, hell, he's going. I used to do more drugs. And then Joe Brewer starts in on his crazy shit during that third hour. He starts talking how he's going to Strangler. He's going to do her like the other girl. He's talking some crazy shit. He's maybe talking about Peter Hack. And maybe, you know what, never know what's going to be. Whatever it is. And we're talking about a street smart, hard-nosed prostitute gets so fucking scared that she calls 911. So you know it was bad. So now here is where it gets a little tricky. Joe Brewer notices, holy shit, that driver's still sitting out there. So abandoned, boom. He's he's a boarding mission. So what better way than to go out there and get him? Flip it around on her like, hey, she's crazy. Let me get ahead of this thing. She's crazy. She's fucking crazy. She's saying I'm going to kill her. You're going to kill her. Please come in and get her. So in Shannon's eyes, she doesn't know. Maybe he's aborted. He's not going to kill her now. Shit, the driver's out there. But when she looks up, She sees Joe Brewer and Michael Pack standing right next to each other in the living room. So what does she think? Oh, my God. My driver, Michael Pack, is in on it, too. Oh, my God. They are going to kill me. Now, 
Joe Brewer can't really stop her from calling 911 because he knows Michael Pack's not involved. So he just has to let it play out. So at this point, he throws his, he's done. You know, he's covered his ass. And now Shannon has no idea that Michael's not involved. But, I mean, rightfully so, she would believe he is because this one guy, Joe Brewer, one minute's going to talk about tying you up, killing you, cutting your head off. You run to hide, you look up, and the next thing you know, your driver's standing in the living room. Well, by God, I would think he was in on it too. So, I mean, I know that it's five, five, or just five, six o'clock, whatever it is when she went running out. And it's not that far away from the sun coming up. Not too far. I mean, it's not around the, just a few minutes, but it's an hour or so. So, I mean, could she have really moved that far or that fast through that brush and thick marshy area and be dead before the sun comes up because she obviously is dead before the sun comes up so within two hours she's dead she's done run through there uh, one mile two miles through a muddy mucky marsh and she already died there's obviously it's just either some real strains strange coincidences because what I find the most strange is that you have a and I'm not being disrespectful it is just the damn truth she was you have a Craigslist prostitute that runs away screaming from an area saying they're gonna kill me and in the area that she runs into there's at a minimum four more Craigslist prostitutes that are dead next week I want to talk about the corruption side of that department and I'm not necessarily talking about in this case but I mean if your department's into some really shady crazy shit and three of your top people are in federal prison then I think there's a problem thanks for listening to the weekly podcast